Beer and whiskey. Whiskey and beer. Welcome to episode 29 of the Words Over Whiskey podcast, and today we're doing something a bit different. Tom, you're looking at me with some very weird trepidation there. I'm trying I'm something very confused. I'm, trying something I'm very new, okay. confused, Henry. I'm very confused. You kind of lost me when you went with the beer and the various casks and the cider and the bottles, and I, 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 I'm lost. Well, you should get it, seeing as the line I bought it. Yes, and <laughs> it's the lineup we have right in front of us, which is a mix of beer and whiskey. And cider. And, and a bit of cider, yes. Which is what we're starting with. So, yeah. if you couldn't guess by that intro, granted, yes, it was a bit different, a bit odd. Um, we are trying a variety of beers and a cider that have been aged in whiskey casks. And we also have some whiskies that have been aged in beer casks. So I thought it'd be quite fun to try the two of them side by side. So we've got a lineup of one cider and three beers and two whiskies. So, 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 so the whiskey has been aged in beer casks. Yes. And that cider has been aged in a whiskey cask. Yeah. Where's the beer coming to it? Because two of those beers have been aged in whiskey casks. Right. Okay. And one of the then the other beer is connected to one of the whiskies. That's an old beer. It's a ginger beer. But it's alcoholic. Yes. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> He's like, can consider me happy. Yeah, I, I am. I, I'm appeased. So this is the Thistley Cross cider that has been aged or put into Glenmarae casks. Glenmarae! Glenmarae, which we have tried, not on the podcast, but we have tried off the podcast before. It's not a, it's not an ambery colour kind of cider. Like, you know, cider's often quite an amber colour. Like a slightly, like, like whiskey, but lighter. But th- this is a very light cider. A light coloured, I mean. Um, it's almost like a garden cider like kind a of colour. pale gold? Yeah, like a very pale gold. Not piss coloured. Thanks for that clarification. Well, I have seen cider that's quite piss coloured. Yeah, cloudy cider. Anyway. Like a dehydrated piss. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, th- this one is just... Have you ever had, like, um, garden cider? So there's a company that do garden cider. Or oh, garden cider is like a type of cider. That, anyway, I think. I, I'm I not really as cider aficionado as you are, I'm afraid. Well, th- th- there's a kind of cider called garden cider that I've seen before, and it's exactly the same colour as this. I'm, I'm just saying this. Well, well, this is, like I said, this is one we've had on... We've had off the podcast before. Many times. Many times. It's a very nice summertime drink. I, I picked it up at a, a micro microbrewery close to where I live, and I thought, oh, oh, it's a, it's aged in whiskey cask. I'll give that, a, give that a try. And it was actually amazing. Yeah, it was good. You said, you've got to give this a try. So I got some as well. I was like, I'm going to go get some more. <laughs> I think I went back. <laughs> you and even I'm, shared it with your family, and now they all like it. So yeah, yeah, I gave it. I, it was like, hey, you, you were like sitting in the garden. I was like, do you want to try some? And they're like, what okay. is it? It's like, it's whiskey, it's cider in a whiskey cask. And they're like, okay. yeah, they probably did a little call, yeah, Henry. Yeah. And they're like, this is really nice. Can you get some more? And I was like, <laughs> I was planning to anyway, so yeah, sure. <laughs> anyway, cheers, Tom. Cheers, Henry. Nice and sweet. That's nice and refreshing. Especially after a long day. I think both of us often find ourselves working the weekends. So it's quite nice to have something yep. in the evening. Mm-hmm. I haven't had these in a while. I forgot just how good it is. It is very good. I remember it being sweeter. I remember it. I thought it. I remember thinking it was a sort of smokier, but yeah. But I don't. I, I don't know of any. Can I get the right one? Yeah, it's it's the one we've had. Yes, before, definitely, definitely is. But I I don't believe. I believe really... Fisley Cross is a Scottish cider brewery. Yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah. say it's made in Scotland. Ah, right that's what, that's how I know. On the neck of the bottle. Yeah, I don't think, uh, I, I guess it, I don't think it is smoky, because I don't know of any Glenmorae whiskies that are peated. 
I think most most of them are unpeated. Yeah, it's, uh, it's nice. 6.7 ABV. Yeah, oh, hang on. It's got tasting notes. Tasting notes. Dry, smooth cider with warming notes of vanilla, oak and honey. That would be where I'm getting some sweetness from. Yeah, I'd say dry and smooth. Hmm. Like so slightly sweet as well. Yeah. It's very nice to sit out on a summer's day with a cold glass of this. I can tell you that from experience. With a good book as well. Indeed. Anyway, as it is a, another episode, I have a little bit... Well, it's not really whiskey trivia. It's more of a little whiskey tidbit. Okay, you. okay. Um, so I was recently at a whiskey tasting with where we tried some of the... Nicker whiskies, and if you listen to a previous episode, we one of our one of the whiskies we tried and both really enjoyed was Nicker from the Barrel. Yeah, a long time ago now. Yes, it's probably twenty twenty. Yeah, probably in our first year of it was probably within one of our first few episodes. Yeah, it must have been. Um, I haven't had. I don't. I haven't had. I don't think I've had a bottle since then. No, I've had, I've, I've, I've had the whiskey haven't. since then, but I don't think I've had a bottle since then. Granted, I've been trying a lot of different bottles. So, but um, so the tasting, we tried some of the different Nicker whiskies, but we tried that one as well, Nicker from the Barrel. And so this is where I learned a couple of interesting little uh, facts about this whiskey we had it. two years ago. So, one of the things you noticed about the whiskey was the bottle is quite short and squat. It's a and really square. annoying bottle to pour. And I found out why. Why? I don't so, remember it being square. I think it was round. No, but it's it, square. It's like a the square. one we have was definitely round. I remember my hand fit round. They must have changed the bottles since then. Mm, it's square. What uh, was it? Yes. Okay. <laughs> if you insist. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've only ever seen it one way. It's always been that kind of squarish bottle. Um, Why is it so annoying to pour? So because of that, it's that short, sort of stubby, square bottle. Yeah. It's designed like that to make it difficult to pour a small measure. Oh. So that's the thing. Whenever you're pouring, you can't pour a small amount. Oh. So you were saying, like, we both agreed, oh, this is quite annoying to pour because you only want to pour a tiny little bit and then quite a lot comes out. And it's like a bit well, of a Well, I always get the noise, I kept spilling some. You can't help but spill yeah, a little it bit. Yeah, because it kind of out. Yeah. Which is the, the idea is that you pour, I think it's the idea is that because you're pouring more, you're going to get through it quicker. And you think, oh, this is tasty whiskey. I'm going to get another bottle because I've run out. Uh-huh. It is, and it is tasty. Very small. But... Oh. The other thing I found out about this whiskey is that, well, Nikka, Nikka is a Japanese whiskey company that when we first tried this whiskey, we thought, oh, this is Japanese whiskey because it's, it, well, it says Nikka from the barrel. It's got some Japanese characters on it. However, turns out it's not all Japanese whiskey. Oh. It's, it's a blended whiskey. And some of it's scotch. And some of it is scotch. Typical Japanese whiskey. From Well, not typical, but true for some. But uh, well, I thought you said most. No, oh, okay. stuff like the Suntory whiskeys are all Japanese. Oh, okay, Japanese and a few of the other knickers. Yatazaki, Hatazaki, not hundred percent sure. Yamazaki, Yamazaki, Yamazaki. Yeah, the Suntory ones. Yamazaki, oh, okay. Hakushu. Yeah, those are all authentically Japanese whiskeys. However, it's a blend of Japanese whiskey and Scottish whiskey. The Scottish whiskey is from the Ben Nevis Distillery, which is because Nicker own the Ben Nevis distillery oh so the actual Japanese company owns a distillery in Scotland yes oh yeah but on the Nikka bottle if you look it doesn't actually say it's a Japanese whiskey oh and so I think cause, I mean to be totally honest if Japanese characters could say anything and I wouldn't know apparently with because there are rules coming into change to change sort of 
clarify what is Japanese whiskey and everything to make the rules a bit more solid. Yeah. Um, apparently, they were saying at the tasting that on nicker from the barrel, it doesn't say it's a Japanese whiskey. It will just be purely known as a product of Japan. Oh. Because it's, it's produced in Japan. Even yeah, though it's made in Japan. It's made in Japan. But it, it can't be classed as a Japanese whiskey. Oh, because it's not through the Japanese. Yeah. So yeah, it was, it was quite a little interesting throwback, I thought, to a whiskey we tried before and also answered some questions we had about the whiskey that we didn't know. Yeah. Like the reason for the bottle for being, the bottle kind of being, being so, so annoying. annoying. Ah, so that's, that's very interesting. I'm still annoyed though. No, it would stop you having it again. I mean, I, I was always going to pour a large measure. I mean, Nika does not have to worry about that. Yeah. Quick interjection though. What's your favourite Japanese whiskey? It can be what a, a product of Japan. I, I accept, I'll accept well, I know, a product I know of what Japan. yours is. It's the Hatazaki, isn't it? I love the Hatazaki. I don't right. know what it is. The £40 one, I think it's the pure malt. I can't yeah, remember. Pure malt. I don't know. It, I've never tasted a whiskey quite like it. It's unique and I like that. That's the thing. I was not. I didn't mind it, but I was not nearly as taken with it as you were. I think I found I found it quite unique and complex, mm-hmm. and I liked that. Maybe I think. Yeah. What have I tried? I do, I do like the Yamazaki, although um, yeah. that's the really expensive one, isn't it? Uh, it's about seventy pounds, seventy five for the distiller's edition. Yeah, I'd say it's expensive. Well, seeing their their twelve year old is one hundred and fifty around one hundred and fifty pounds, and their eighteen year old is almost a grand. Yep, yep, expensive. Yeah. But I did try their one of the other whiskies from Suntory. So Suntory have three different distilleries. They have Cheetah, Yamazaki, and um, Hakushu. And, you know, we've tried the Toki whiskey before. Yeah. That is a blend of those three whiskies. Oh, okay. Cheetah is their grain whiskey. Yamazaki is their single malt. And then Hakushu is their, is their lightly peated single malt. But the thing with that Hatazaki that I really enjoyed was those... Hatazaki, bit- that's the one no, I like. Sorry, ha- uh, Hakushu, sorry. <laughs> that's okay, it's, it's easy to get easy these confused. Hakushu um, is lightly peated, but it almost had this almost slightly minty, refreshing characteristic. Oh, okay. that's quite interesting. I, I, I bought a sample because I really wanted to try it. I was like, oh, this is unusual, this is different. I really enjoyed it. I do, granted, I do really like the um, Yamazaki, uh, this distillers reserve which I have which I remember I think I got for my 21st a few years ago now it used to be able to get in Waitrose for £45 and it's now 75 and I'm like if, I, if I'd known I that I bet you'd wish the I go- wish I'd stopped up I mean other people if they had time travel they go back in time and avert some disaster go see a loved one etc etc you're getting cheaper whiskey Oh, absolutely. Like, <laughs> no hesitation there. No, yeah. even, no even attempts to no. disguise it. Like, the, the more I've learned about whiskey as the past few years have gone on, I've found so many different whiskies that if you go back five or ten years, they were like so much more cheap. So I think I was talking to someone the other day about um, Glen Farkas, and I was talking about the 25, which we've had on the podcast before. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, it's the most expensive one I bought. It's about two hundred pounds. Oh, I remember this one. Now. And they were saying to me, "Oh yeah, like go back five, eight years ago or something." They said, "Yeah, you could get that for like ninety pounds." I was like, "What?" Like, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you used to be able to get this for like ninety quid. And I was like, "Oh, blimey. oh. But um, again, going going back to what I said about the Yamazaki, you, I said the eighteen-year-old is almost a grand. Go back about 10, 15 years ago. Apparently, you could get that for around one hundred and fifty a bottle. Because imagine if you had a case of that. 
six bottles. Imagine how much that would be worth now. Well, it'd be worth almost six grand. And you'd make a nice tidy profit from that. Over how many years? How many years? About 10, 15 years? Yeah, that's not. That's not, <laughs> not happening. It's, no. just gonna, it's just going to get drunk in your house. It's just going to get drunk. It's, in my house, it would be drunk. In an investor's house, you, that, that's what? A profit of six grand over 10 years? Get an actual job and you'll get way more than that. Well, I mean, what, 150? That's three. That's that's under a grand for six times the amount back. That's pretty good. That's, that's a good. It's a good investment. To be honest, I wouldn't say no if some if something that was gathering dust in the corner of my room I then sold for six grand. That'd be quite cool. Like that's awesome. I could make a living off it though. I'm, 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 des- I'm desperately trying to find a way to make a living without having to work in fucking hospitality anymore. <laughs> yeah, I I quite enjoy the Santori. Yeah, uh, the Santori whiskey. So look, Yamazaki and Hakushu. Yeah. Yeah, I I wasn't nearly I I didn't I didn't dislike it, but I was not nearly as taken with a Hatazaki as you were. I think we should have I think we should have an episode where we have returning favourites, and we can have it on there. We can see how you feel. That's a good idea. That's good. Well, that would mean buying quite a few bottles. <laughs> it's like, oh, but I I love this one and this one and this one and this one, and you love this one and this one and this. Why have we got like thirty bottles around us? <laughs> Hmm. Henry, we're both going to buy these bottles at some point anyway. Yeah. We may as well do it for a reason. We, we might as well do it now before they go up in price again. That's a really good point. <laughs> I'm going to order some whiskey. Because yes. <laughs> I already feel my wallet shivering mm. in anticipation. It's a dangerous game, this, uh, or oh, dangerous hobby rather than this whiskey. Alcoholism. That. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, it's been quite a while since we've done an episode together. This is very true. It's been, what, two months? Two months, yes. Yeah. So the previous episode, we had, uh, I had my friend, my other friend Tom, on from uh, Greenwell Gaming, and caught up with him. So, yeah, it has been, it's been a couple of months since we last did another episode. So, how, how have you been? You doing well? Yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. How have you been? Yeah, I'm good. Like I said, I've gone to, had been trying some other whiskies, went to a whiskey tasting, which is good fun. Yeah. Been reading few books and trying to catch up on some shows so yeah so age old question tom yes what have you been reading what have i been reading well henry i'm kind of glad you asked i've been looking forward to telling you about these books shall we pause for a moment as i'm about to finish the cider and i've already finished you've already finished is it time for our next cider uh, beer or whiskey so a bit whiskey. What, I told what, you I'm confused. What, what am, I am, I, am I in beer mode? Am I in whiskey mode? Right. There's some water here as well. What am I drinking? So we're going to pause. Okay. Before before we go on to what do you mean reading? I'm going to introduce a beer and a whiskey. Oh, and a combo. A combo. And give uh, you... If they go in the same glass, I swear to God. No. But they have a bit of backstory. Okay. okay. I'm going to explain. So here we have Teeling. Which is an Irish whiskey. Okie dokie. We have the Teeling Whiskey Ginger Beer Cask. And next to it, we have the Umbrella Brewery Ginger Beer. Oh. Alcoholic. Because not all ginger beer is alcoholic. Alcoholic ginger beer, yes. So, the connection here is that the Umbrella Brewery, which is a London-based brewery, teamed up with Teeling to make this whiskey. So, the ginger beer is matured in some oak casks and then emptied and of course the beer is bottled Mm -hmm. then what umbrella did was that they sent 
these casks to teeling for them to then mature some of their whiskey in. Oh, so, so this is the beer from the casks that the whiskey matured in? No. What? This, this is the whiskey from the casks that the beer matured in. That's what I said. Oh, no, it is You said the other way around. Other way around. My bad. <laughs> so, yes. So once the ginger beer had been emptied from the casks, the casks went to teeling where they put their whiskey into it, matured it, or finished it, I believe. Mm-hmm. I think it was a finish. Yes, finished in the ginger beer cask. So when you say finished, I mean, it's already matured in the casks of a different cask. Yes, so probably ex-bourbon or ex-sherry. Right. So And then it's put so in... So the biscuit was made normally, but it was just finished off in, in a ginger, ginger beer, beer cask. cask. Yes, so, when they, so often whiskies will have different finishes, which means they've spent somewhere between 12 months to maybe a couple of years in a different type of cask. So often you'll have whiskies that are matured. The two most common casks whiskies are matured in are often virgin oak for bourbons, ex-bourbon casks or sherry casks. But then you can have rum casks, you can have a variety of different sherries, you can have masala, you can have sweet wines, everything like that. But then, And then beer casks as well. Yeah. Often they'll say it was... Um, certain whiskies they'll say was like exclusively matured in sherry cask or exclusively matured in bourbon cask and that'll give it different flavours whereas if you want to create a variety of different flavours you'll put the whiskies into different casks as it matures and that'll change the flavour of it so interesting fact or thought anyway that I've had um, whiskey makers when they experiment like this do you, they don't actually have like, any idea if it'll be good so they'll put it in a cask for a year and when it comes out, they might be like, actually, we can't sell this. Uh, or they might be like, this is amazing. This is awesome. We need to sell this. Well, I think I think that's probably true. They probably have... I think there are a number of distilleries which probably have an array of casks. That have failed. Or they're like, this is... Or it might not even be ready yet. They might mm. put it in like a sweet wine cask and they're like... What would you do with this next? Yeah. Or they might have tried a new type of cask and it hasn't really... Worked. worked out yeah. so they might not release it but they might keep it maturing and then they might like so all over it, Ireland and Scotland there is a load of what is essentially worthless but potentially incredibly tasty whiskey possibly anyways so here we have the ginger beer oh, and we have the whiskey the, the whiskey the ginger whiskey beer <gasps> ginger whiskey beer that smells amazing which one <laughs> the, the ginger beer definitely getting that strong ginger yeah oh cheers cheers Henry so we'll try the ginger beer and then we'll go on to the whiskey. That's nice. Mm. I'd say that's that's ginger beer. <laughs> I, I, Great analysis. Well done, Tom. We can we can wrap up there. We can fantastic. go home. I can go. Okay, see ya. I haven't had much ginger beer in my life, but I wouldn't say that, the, that this is... It's not a fiery one. It's not which, a fiery one, no. Which I think I prefer. I don't like the super fiery... Well, I don't not like them, but they aren't my go-to. I prefer the sort of... I quite like ginger ale. Yes. And I prefer the sort of milder ginger beers. So for me, this is really nice. I like it, don't get me wrong. I'm just saying, if you had like a lineup of different ginger beers, I probably wouldn't be able to pick this one out. Oh no, but that's why this could be so dangerous. What? Like, well, because it's alcoholic. That's Imagine, true. That's true. Like if you have vodka and squash or something. So this is the vodka of beer. <laughs> <laughs> or the vodka of ginger. Oh, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I think this could be very dangerous because... Literally, it just tastes like ginger beer, and I don't even. It doesn't even taste alcoholic. That's the thing, like the cider and everything. It tastes sweet, but you know, like 
this is cider. Whereas this is like, yeah, it's just ginger beer. And then you're like, you're, you have quite a few, and you're like, oh, it was alcoholic. <laughs> no wonder I can't stand up. <laughs> how much ginger beer have you had? Dude. Well, like I said, it depends on how much. Is this a story you want to share? <laughs> anyway, uh, it's delicious. Let's have a, let's try a bit of the whiskey, shall we? Am I getting a, a gingery smell? It smells um very, very slightly. It's quite light. It's almost a, like a very faint smell of, you know, like the, that sort of ginger loaf cake. Yeah. yeah they have it at like school. They have it at like school dinners and stuff. I had it from a cafe not long ago, actually. It was banging for the record. It's almost like I can get a very faint whiff of that. I think maybe the, it is again power of suggestion, the gingerness, but. That's true. But yeah, I am. That's that's what I'm thinking now. It's that very faint whiff of ginger loaf cake. Not that I'm complaining because I like ginger loaf cake, but. Cheers. Cheers. You're immediately hit with a, gin, with a gingery taste. As soon as it hits your tongue. It's a bit, again, yeah. I don't know whether it's just on the back of having that ginger beer, but you get, you get that slightly fiery ginger note. You do. It's quite nice and light. But it changes to a more traditional whiskey flavour as as it goes down your throat. I don't find it has a long finish on it, though. No, so you get that very quickly. You get that very upfront punch of that gingery whiskey note, and then it kind of peters off very quickly. Nice, though. Mm. Yeah, now I now I go back to it, I'm getting more of that, more gingeriness, more gingeriness. Yeah, and yeah, I'm I, I can smell it more clearly now too. It's making me feel Christmassy. It's um, it's been a while since we've had a Irish whiskey on the podcast. I think had a lot of we had a lot of Scotch this year. Yes, I think we re- we realised that, and then we're like, we need to we need to, need to do diversify, other ones. <laughs> diversify. Yeah, the more I go back to that, the more I'm getting that ginger note. I got some of the gingerness, not immediately, but a bit later, as I swallowed. Yeah. Again, yeah, quite... It's almost a bit drier, I think. Drier, shorter finish, but still tasty. Yeah, lighter. Nice, though. Different. 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 But nice. Anyway, now that we've gone off on a little beer and whiskey tangent, back to my original question, Tom. What have you been reading? Oh, oh, I've been looking forward to this. So... I have read a bunch of books. Two of them I'll talk about because these two I've read. I really want to see what you think of them. Okay. So the first book is The Man with the Golden Talk by Simon Green, which is, imagine, this is the premise of the book, imagine James, someone like James Bond, uh-huh. but instead of fighting megalomaniacal terrorists, he's fighting supernatural creatures. Okay. And that's the premise of the book. Uh-huh. And it really runs with the Bond tropes. Like, at the beginning, he's given gadgets. Like, he has a watch that can temporarily... Like, it can rewind time a little bit. Mm-hmm. Or he's got a... He's got... A, basically, he's, okay, his car's essentially just a normal James Bond car. It's got, it, it, like, hidden machine guns and sort of thing. But he has, a, he has a, a chase, a car chase in this car, and he's attacked by all sorts of creatures, ranging from ordinary goons and helicopters to zombies driving ghost cars. To aliens. That escalated quickly. That escalated very quickly. <laughs> and it was a, it is an incredibly weird and wacky book. Like, you do you do not know what they're going to be up against next. It could literally be up against anything. But it was very James and I really liked it. What was his favourite drink, though? Was it a martini, shaken, not stirred? It was definitely not that. I think he had a regular drink. I can't quite remember, actually. It's been a, it, I, I read it in time for the podcast we would have done like, the other month. 
But I've forgotten now what he had. But I think it was just like a regular like rum and coke or something. <laughs> I think they actually made, like, made the joke in there. Like he goes to the bar. They go, what, what do you have? And it's a pause. He just goes, yeah, rum and coke. <laughs> Jack Daniels. Yeah, literally. I think it actually, no, I think it might have been that. <laughs> it probably was. <laughs> just, just JD, please. <laughs> Despite the fact that he's in this interdimensional bar, which is only frequented by beings of immense power, he goes up and just orders that. Yeah, it's like, you can literally have anything in any of the dimensions. You can have this mead that gets you fucked up in one sip. You could have this Avengers beer. reference. Huh? Avengers reference. You have this, uh, you have this beer that never runs out. Also, um, an Avengers reference. Oh, no, 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 that's a Norse mythology reference. Though technically I'm still correct, because 4 is an Avengers. And in, uh... Doctor Strange, his, I know exactly the scene you mean. Doctor Strange, when his beer glass refills itself. If I had to have a superpower, I'd be happy with just that one. What, just a constant... A never-ending beer glass. Never-ending beer glass. That would be amazing, wouldn't it? Never-ending beer glass. Oh, this is very topical. Okay, okay. Never-ending okay. beer glass. Or never-ending whiskey, whiskey glass. glass. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> Which one would I prefer? If I was going to spend all day sipping an alcoholic beverage... I think beer would leave me still be more likely to leave me still capable of doing shit. Whereas if I'm sipping whiskey, whiskey constantly, twenty four seven, I am going to be useless to everyone. Thing is, then, if it's thing is, if it's just one beer, you only ever get. You've got to make a if it's only ever one beer or one whiskey, you've got to make a really good choice as to what oh, it's going to be. The most expensive whiskey that you know. <laughs> I mentioned which you ever heard of. Then the cell, like I tipped that glass out to another glass, and the cell that yes. <laughs> hundreds of pounds per glass. Problem solved. Brilliant. That's how I get out of hospitality. How do I get this power? Does anyone know? <laughs> Go, gonna make a sacrifice to the whiskey gods. <laughs> it was nice knowing you, Henry. No. <laughs> what? You'd be low. You'd love this. Go to whiskey afterlife. <laughs> Is this not your dream? Do us both a favour here, Henry. Anyway, but don't think uh, about sacrificing mine. <laughs> Any more to say on the book? <laughs> what book? Oh yes, sorry. A bit of a tangent. Um, not much. It was an enjoyable read. A bit like imagine an action movie, but in literary form, and it was basically that. It was a massive homage to the sort of uh, Sean Connery, Roger Moore kind of Bond era yeah which I enjoyed and it was well written and enjoyable basically what I can say was it is it just a standalone or does it it's a series it's a, series. It's a, it's a long series so and they've all all the names of the books are sort of Bond like so the man with the golden talk obviously meant to resemble man, man with the golden, golden gun. gun and then there are I think it's demons are forever instead of diamonds are forever what was kind of the what's the hero's name Eddie Droog and what was um, what's kind of like the overarching plot of this particular? So he's this supernatural secret agent. Yeah. He a typical spy movie kind of plot. He's framed for something he didn't commit, and he's a go on the run from his own organization. That was pretty standard. But what made it different was the supernatural. Exactly. Exactly. Here we go. Demons are forever. The spy who haunted me. Mm-hmm. From Hell With Love, I knew that was one. For Heaven's Eyes Only. Live and Let Drood. What's his name, Drood? Casino Infernal. <laughs> From a Drood to a Kill. Moonbreaker. Yeah. Nightfall. So it is very much... It just uh, rips off James Bond yeah, completely. It's a very... It's not even trying to pretend to be anything else. It sounds quite entertaining if you just need a... 
switch your brain off enjoy it's kind of like those action flicks you just need to switch your brain off and just enjoy it just yeah, enjoy exactly. it for what it is it's a funny book yeah. any any other interesting and I'm glad you asked I read another book called Orconomics by J. Zachary Pike you say Orconomics yes it's a pun on economics uh huh <laughs> in case you didn't get it I could have guessed. <laughs> you could have guessed. Um, and I was expecting the book based on the name and the cover. I've, I Sometimes I see a book, and they say don't judge a book by its cover, but I'm really bad for it. Sometimes I see a book cover and I go, that book cover looks awesome. I've got to read. I've got to read what's inside. And that's what happened when I picked up The Blade Itself by Joe Abercrombie. I think someone had given, I think my parents wanted some time alone. They gave me some money. They said, go, uh, then we were in a town. They're like, oh, go off by yourself and buy a book. So I went to the bookshop, Woodstones, I believe. And I was like, what did I get? And I saw the blade itself, I drove a crumpy. And uh, you see my copy, haven't you? It's like this lovely parchment cover. Like it's an actual old parchment. I was like, this is awesome. I'll buy this. And it was amazing, as you know. Yes. So I saw Orconomics. I prefer my hardback cover there. Mm, I I disagree. <laughs> I prefer my cover. Anyway, so I bought Orconomics because the cover has this picture of like it's like a dollar bill, but it's a bit fantasy. And instead of um, is it George Washington, yeah, instead of him, it's an orc dressed like George Washington, <laughs> <laughs> and it's called Orconomics. And I thought, okay, that's awesome. And I assume I'm gonna I was gonna, gonna get this, and I assumed it was gonna be about an orc who was fighting, you know, adversity and racism against orcs and making his way in an economic environment. What I actually got was much better than that. It was actually about, um, and this is gonna sound very generic, but I promise it was done better in the book. It's about a, a bunch of rundown heroes down on their luck who are forced, literally, to group together and go on a quest for this idiot priest. So you've got a disgraced goblin berserker, a disgraced dwarf berserker, a um, a thief on the run from more dangerous criminals who pretended to be a bard. Mm. And it's terrible at both. <laughs> you've got an alcoholic elf ranger. Um, you've got... Okay, there's a fighter who's got PTSD, but... He's otherwise really good at what he does. Mm. And then you've got a goblin squire who's useless at everything. But it's actually the smartest person there. Mm. He just doesn't speak English. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he can communicate with other like goblin-y creatures. Yeah. So there's a lot of really funny um, scenarios where they're trying to like negotiate with these like creatures and the goblins have a normal conversation with them <laughs> and no one even notices. <laughs> So it turns out he's actually got a doctorate in Goblin or something. Um, not quite. But anyway, I really like the book because there's some really funny quotes. Or at least I thought they were funny. So I'm going to read you a few. And I hope Jay Zachary Pike doesn't mind. But I thought they were hilarious. So, okay, one of them um, finishes in dialogue. There are, two there are two kinds of warrior heroes. Those who know how to deal with fire mages and extra crispy. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you might like this one because it's a Lord of the Rings reference. Not all who wander are lost. Some are just on quests. <laughs> uh, I like that one. That's a good one. It's a good one. So they were talking, having a conversation about e economics. Mm. And they were, they were talking about um, the impacts of this economic thing. They'd lose everything. They'd starve in the streets. And someone else says, but that'd really be bad. And they go, is there a good way to be bankrupt? He says, morally. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, it's a conversation on, on adventuring. So that's it. 
We run around killing and looting just to line our pockets and marginally improvise people's disposition. It beats accounting. <laughs> I like that one. I like that one. So, <laughs> so this, the, the text was full of things like this. Uh, that's, that's good. I quite like those little quippy lines. <laughs> so, it's called Orconomics. Yes. How much it, of it actually has anything to do with economics? Actually, quite a lot. But you wouldn't notice. You should read the book and find out. So it's kind of subtly woven into the plot. You don't need to have any understanding of maths. Well, that's good. To actually, to actually read this book, it's more about the pe- It's more about the people involved in economics, the sort of people like bankers or accountants or anyone involved in that sort of thing. More about the characters there rather than the actual thing itself, which is obviously what you want from a book. This so happens that all these bankers and accountants are gnomes or dwarves or hyena people or you know you get the picture. Yeah, yeah so it's all all the economic thing is just subtly woven into the plot. It's not the main. The main thing is the fantasy and the characters and everything, like you said. Of course, but it has this also slight economic element woven into it as well. So nice lean to it. So essentially, in this world, it's it's based on 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 the D and D. Yeah, obviously. I think Jay Zachary Pike, his website has a big section for tabletop games. So I think he's really into it. So in this in this world, um, any sort of quest is funded by the, by the people who give the quest. So they'll pay for the hero's wages, pay for their equipment and expenses, etc. And for them to afford that, they sell shares in the quest to these big companies. So for instance, someone might be like, there's a dragon terrorizing my city. So I'm going to go to the big businesses in the city and say, we need to deal with the dragon. We need to hire heroes. To pay for this, we're willing to sell a share of the dragon's loot that the heroes recover when they kill the dragon. So then the people in the city will pay for that. That's used to pay for the heroes. And then um, sort of, I think the book begins with some people breaking down uh, uh, the loot and who gets what share. Oh, okay. That's so, so, there's, like, there's so, yeah, there, there is the economical element. Yes, but you don't need to understand maps. They'll just say, right, here's the next item. It's a um, magical axe, which... But, but that's good in a way, because they break it down so that you can understand... This what economical... happens after the quest. Yeah, and you can understand this economic, economical element in the context of the fantasy world. Exactly, yeah, exactly. You really un- you really understand how the economics of this fantasy world work. It's really interesting. That's cool. That's quite an interesting way. Interesting way, even quite unique way to look at it. Mm-hmm. So I really enjoyed that, and I also really enjoyed the humour. Nice. I particularly enjoyed the characters of Mr. Flynn and Mr. Brunt. Mr. Flynn is a gnome mercenary. Mm-hmm. Obviously, being a gnome, he's quite small. And Mr. Brunt is his ogre partner. So Mr. Flynn's whole approach to things, he, he'll say, you have to do this, I'm afraid. The other person will say, fuck off. He'll go, um, you're welcome to take up that line with Mr. Brunt here. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, he's not much for negotiating. <laughs> and there are a lot of jokes like that. And it was quite funny. What have you been reading, Henry? Thank you for asking. Oh. <laughs> you're very welcome. Uh, I read one of... You're going to roll your eyes. I read one of Ant Middleton's books. Question. Wasn't there some controversy about Ant Middleton? Didn't he get in trouble for uh, when he was on the SAS show? Uh, yes, there was some sort of controversy. Um, I think it was because... 
I don't, well, I don't know the full story. Or, well, yeah, of course I don't know the full story. Mm-hmm. Um, I think part of it was that he was kind of getting a bit fed up. With that, snowflakes, wasn't it? Well, that's what I think some of the like, newspapers reported. I mean, he was getting fed up that he thought health and safety were putting too tight a restraints on the show mm-hmm. so that they could no longer kind of do what they wanted to do as the instructors and yeah I think he kind of had a go at some people about it and it kind of didn't end well and so I think he'd apparently he'd already planned to leave the show at the end of the next didn't he move to Australia uh I don't think he's moved there, but he is doing the equivalent show out mm-hmm. in Australia. Mm-hmm. I think he's enjoying it because they don't have quite the same constraints. That well, Australia, Trump does. yeah. Um, but apparently, he'd already been planning to leave the show in in the season that he was recording, which was I think it was a few seasons ago now. Because they they have the regular one, they have the celebrity show. The show we're talking about is the SAS Who Dares Wins. Um, so, so I haven't seen it. So is it a game show where people go through SAS training and they drop out, they can't make it, and whoever makes it to the end is winning? It's it's not a game show because you're not like winning. Anymore. Sorry, sorry, I didn't mean game show. I meant reality show. It's, uh, it's a reality. Yeah. Show. So it's like um, they basically give, they basically do, they have instructors who are former special forces operators, either usually SAS or SBS. Although on the recent ones, they brought on some American guys who are, one's a Navy SEAL and one's a, I think he's a Marine Recon. And they made him a head instructor, which I don't understand when you have an SAS guy and an SBS guy. Why not make the, it's a... Probably for the American viewers. Yeah, but I don't quite know when it's called SAS, why you put the American guys in charge. Anyway. Well, uh, I completely agree with that, actually. It's called SAS, so have the SAS in charge. Yeah, which I didn't quite understand. Anyway. So yeah, apparently he'd already been planning to leave the show, um, but the I think it's Channel Four who run it. They kind of let him go before, just before he was planning to leave anyway, because of this apparent controversy where they, I think they were just grinding gears against each other. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that. As far as I understand, that's kind of the measure of the controversy. But uh, yeah, so this one is called uh, Mental Fitness and. Yeah, I, I mean, I've read quite a few of his books. I've enjoyed them. I still enjoy, I, I enjoy his stuff. Um, yeah, it was like so, some of it was quite useful. There was a, there was one of the chapters was sort of devoted to sort of tackling your fears, and um, well, one example he gave was like in public speaking. So he 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 does a lot of public speaking, mm-hmm. and there's someone who is kind of operated in the shadows for so long someone who was not accustomed to public speaking for a while he was really unsure as to whether he could do it and how good he would be at it so tell me this accomplished highly trained killer was concerned about speaking to a crowd of people to be fair we've all been there i'm sure we've all been there we haven't all been killing people for the government (laughs) clarify clarification very important (laughs) there for the government (laughs) for the government I will point out, for the country. For Queen... Sorry, King and Country. Made a mistake there. Sorry. <laughs> we've all been in the circumstance where we've had to give a, pub, a, a presentation. Not the other thing. <laughs> not, not, not the killing. No. But it's it, it's quite strange to hear about someone who is probably a hero. You know, he has gone out there and 
fought for his country. Risked his life. Risked his life. Done things that you probably only ever hear, see or hear about on the news or in action movies. And he has the same fears as you and me. Yeah. But it, it, it was like the way he was giving the advice is that we get so. Like, that's the thing. If you, like, I remember having to give presentations at school. Yeah. And. I, I hate, hated that. Thank you. So did I. I hate. I don't. I, what I, was the point? Was well, was it just to traumatise us quiet kids? <laughs> I think it was. I think the idea is that it gives us experience and it's meant to help... It gives us experience in p- talking to people. <laughs> well, presenting, which you apparently needed for the workplace. I think it would be easier <coughs> if we just presented to a group of strangers than a group of our classmates. Oh, no, presenting in front of strangers is still terrifying. Still terrifying. <laughs> but I'm, I'd be less concerned about them judging me. Because yeah. I'm never going to see them again. <laughs> Yeah, but um, his point was that stuff that scares us, like presenting in front of a group of people, yes. is that often it is not nearly as bad as you think it is. And so often we get paralysed by fear of doing something we think isn't going to go well, it's going to be really bad, that we just keep on putting it off and putting it off. It's like... um. I'll be driving, like when you're driving and then like it's your first time going on the motorway, you think, I don't want to do it, I don't, I don't want to do it. So you keep putting off and putting off. But kind of the, the sooner you actually get round to doing it, the sooner you realise it's not as bad as I thought and therefore you're willing to do it again. So his thing was with the public speaking. Didn't go nearly as bad as he thought. It went quite well and he's like, oh, I can actually do this. And so you then end up doing it more and so you get better and better and better at it. But whereas... If you keep on putting off something you think it's going to go badly, you're just never going to get that experience. And so it's as soon as you dip your toe in it and you realise, oh, this isn't nearly as bad as I thought it was going to be. I can do this. I've done I've done this now. I can do it again. That was quite helpful for because for me, yeah, I have a, a public speaking is not my strong suit. It's not my strong suit. No. no I, I, I've, I've, anyway. I've had to do it before for school. I had to do it for uni. I had to do it for work occasionally, and I'm, I'm going to have to do it for work again. Yeah, you are. It is I'm not. Actually, no. I almost had to. I work in a theatre, and we had a, um, a school hired our, our theatre hall to do their award ceremony thing. And um, the school wanted, you know, a, a PowerPoint displayed on our big cinema screen. Um, so we can sort that out for them. But the school doing the typical customer thing where they didn't actually check that the formatting on their laptop would match the software we used to put it on our screen or they just messed up their um, program I don't know but the point is they blamed us and they wanted the manager that's myself to to stand on stage and apologize to their 500 or more uh, parents who come to to see the show to apologize for the poor software but I kind of feel this is not my fault, mm. but I was prepared to do it anyway. I didn't want to do it, and I was shitting myself. Um, but I was going to do it anyway. I didn't have to in the end, but I, there was a time where I would have had to do it. But yeah, no, that's the thing. It's yeah, it's uncomfortable. It's not something I relish doing. Mm. But again, it's something I realise that if I do it more, and I, like I said, I'm gonna, ha- I have to, I have to do it for. I know I'm gonna have to do it again for work. Mm-hmm. And it's just—it's never as bad as you think it is. Yes, it's kind of uncomfortable at times, and but often, so long as you're prepared, you're good to go. Uh, at the end of there's the day, there's something. In, there's some things in life you've just got to do. Yeah, yeah, and, then, and 
again, that was like, it was a good chapter to read. It's like I think I've said before on a podcast, if, even if I, it's a non-fiction book, so long as I read one thing that is useful to me, that book has been worth it. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I, I enjoyed, there were, there were the bits that I got from it, but yeah, I, enjoy, I enjoyed the book. It's, again, it's probably one of those ones that I, I jotted a few of the pages down I found particularly useful, and I'll probably go and revisit the book in the future at some point. But, um, I have a question. Mm. So you really enjoy books by ex-servicemen, mm. particularly about mental health and well-being. Yes. Um, but also, but a lot of them are by ex-servicemen. Can I ask what about them you find so fascinating? I think it's the fact that these are people who have gone through very extreme things. Something that me and you as everyday people won't have experienced and I think it's fascinating to hear their stories. It's fascinating to hear what they've accomplished, the um, things they've seen and done that we will never hear about. And I think part of it is that, I, like you, I love stories. Mm-hmm. And these are stories. They're real events, but at the end of the day, they're, they are these, stories. they're, they're, they're stories. still stories. Yeah, they're telling they are, a story. They are fascinating. But I also Sometimes when it's true, it's more impactful. Yes, yeah, it is, and that's why I love reading a mix of non-fiction and fiction, is that I love fiction because there are so many good stories in fiction, Yeah. but sometimes you read non-fiction, and it's like they say, like, truth is stranger than fiction sometimes, that these there are these amazing stories out there, like, oh yeah, this was a true story, you're like, what? <laughs> this this was true? They're like, yeah, yeah, this was true, you're like, that's crazy, yeah, yeah, it is crazy. So uh, part of me loves it for the story element. But also, part of me loves it for the lessons I can try and learn from it. The other, sometimes they will say it very overtly, like in this book, Aunt Middleton was writing this stuff as kind of like, here's some advice, here's like my take on it, here's the stories I can tell you to kind of convey that message, and here's some suggestions how you can put it into your own life. And it's kind of taking, trying to take the advice of people who are older than me, and have accomplished more than me and trying to just take even if it's just a tiny bit is trying to put it into my own life to improve myself and improve my own well-being my own mental toughness my own mental fitness to try and become better and that's why like I like I like reading about mental fitness I like reading about physical fitness I enjoy working out learning still having fun and stuff but I'm just always trying to learn a little bit to try and become a better version of myself. Mm-hmm. And that's why I find through reading these books is I learn more and I try new things and it's just kind of like a, trying to evolve and make myself better. Fair enough. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's not always ex-servicemen, but it's like professors and athletes and everything. I think there are so many people out there who've, accomplish cool things and it's you only have one life but you can read about so many people who have a amazing and interesting lives and you can learn so much from them that that's just really cool it's like oh you're an astronaut you're a soldier you're a world-class athlete you're an actor you're a scientist i'll go and read about you guys i'll learn stuff and i can try and encompass that in my own life or i can just get a cool entertaining story from you or Hey, I learned a new fact. It's just, there's so many interesting people out there. It's like, why not try and learn from them? So, 
Yeah, yeah, that's basically yeah. I, I, I that's why I like that balance of fiction and non-fiction. And I agree, but I prefer to get this sort of. Well, I agree. I prefer to get this from a video. For non-fiction, I prefer to watch documentary. Hmm. So, um, although I read quite fast, reading still it takes a long time. It takes hours. Hmm. So I prefer to get this from a documentary. Yeah. Um, which is probably why in the past I've been rolling my eyes when you say, oh, I've read this non-fiction book. Yeah. I just think, I, I will admit, like, I'm not someone who can retain a bunch of facts and everything from a book. I'm actually a very visual learner, as I think I've said on the podcast before. So I read books. I love books. Enjoy them immensely. That's obvious. Yeah. But I, if someone said, oh, tell me like five facts from that book. And I'll be like, oh, I can maybe remember two. Um, it's because with reading stuff, I have to constantly revisit it to really reinforce it in my mind. Yeah, like when, like when I was revising for exams at uni and school, I would literally be reading through the textbook. I'd be constantly writing out notes, is because that was how I had to reinforce it in my mind. I struggle with revising. Yeah, whereas I read something once and I remember it, or I don't. Whereas being quite a visual learner, if someone shows me images or pictures, or literally, it's like when I, when I've had when I've started new jobs, yeah, and I've been learning the ropes of a new role. People sh- if people just explain to me how something's done, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to forget that in about 10 minutes. Whereas if they show me, and then I can do it myself, that is how I remember That's it. That's always how I teach new staff how to do things. I, sh- yeah. I, I show them how, and maybe I talk them through it a bit, but I get them to do it. Yes. Rather, I, I try not to show or tell myself. I'm like, right, first, do this for me. Now do this for me. Now do this for me. And there you go, you've made a latte. Yeah. And I'm the same. Like... Show me how it's done. Let me do it a few times. And then I remember it. Granted, I do have to continually reinforce that. Because yeah. like, I can... For me, again... Another Something thing you me, do regularly, yeah. you can do easily. It, it, it's reinforcement as well. On top yeah. of the visual learning, it's reinforcement. Is that you can still show me and I do it. But then if I haven't done it for maybe like a month or two, I'll be like, do you mind showing me that again? So I remember. And yeah, I, I still, I will... I still love reading everything, but I do know... How I learn is more visual, but I still love reading because I can still pick up things and try and put things into my life through that. It's I'm not just going to discount it because it's not the best method I learn from. It's combining a different method, way of combining different ways of learning that I think yields the best results. I agree. Now it's been over an hour and we've still got two <laughs> beers and a whiskey to go. Good. Good observation skills there, Tom. I can oh, see your your uh, your glass is empty. My it's, glass is empty, but just just to double check. Mm-hmm. So now this allow me is the one. Wait, I shall do the introductions. Ah, so I'll Google because I can't pronounce it. This is Havistown Brewery, Ulladub, 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 and this is an ale that has been matured in Highland Park whiskey casks. Highland Park. I love Highland Park. Yes, Viking tribe, dragon legend. Oh, I love them. Now, this is interesting because you picked out one of the nicely aged ones. Now, this is aged in selected oak casks, formerly used to mature Highland Park's beautifully balanced 21-year-old single malt scotch whiskey. This might be the oldest beer that I've ever drank. 
Oh, good. It's not 21 years old. What? There's, there's not, oh, it's been... Wait, hang on. So has it been aged for 21 years? Or has it been aged in a cask that's and the cask had whiskey in it for 21 years? Yes. Oh, they yes. conned me, those bastards. Yes. <laughs> but, they didn't. I ordered it online. Yes. But it should still be very tasty. So you tried to do the honors. I believe it. It's a very, it's a very dark, dark ale. That's a dark ale. It looks more like a stout. It does. It? But I think there is a difference between stout and dark ale. It's the best dark ale I ever had. I forget the name of the brewery. But the ale was called Dark Vader, and I thought that was really <laughs> funny. It smells very beery. I think because of the colour and everything, I was going in, spending more sort of dark, coffee, uh, chocolatey notes yeah, in the stout. Yeah, it smell like Guinness. But that smells like a lager. Mm, more ale Okay, say. okay, yeah, you're right, you're right. But you know what I mean? It's more like a, uh, like a light ale or a pale ale. Mm. No, I'd still say a darker ale, but... Okay. Still My nose good. sensitivity is still not up to Henry's standards. <laughs> well, cheers. Cheers! So, yes, so apart from... That, that was a really good question. I, th- I think that was a very good follow-up from there. Oh, that's good. Have you tried it? Yeah. You're getting your coffee caramel um, chocolatey notes. Oh, very much more in the flavour, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. Nice. The, f- the flavour makes up for what the smell lacks. And maybe a hint of smokiness, possibly. I'm not going with it very much... Whiskey vibes. No, I didn't get that from the cider either. No. I, I did the first time I tried the cider last year, but not this time. Sorry, you were saying about how great my question was. Yes, yeah, it was a very good follow-up question from the book. But, um, yeah, no, I, uh, really good question. I really enjoy, enjoyed that. Um, apart from that, uh, Half a King. Half a King. Half We've both read this book. I, I gave it to you as a surprise. Yes, it was... Um, a book by Joe Abercrombie, a favourite. A favourite on our channel. Yes. Channel, podcast. account, podcast. Thing. So this was, was it sort of his young adults? It's his young, it's, it's his YA, I think is, is the more C, uh, PC term. This is YA series. Yes, indeed. What's wrong, what's wrong with young adult? YA is the abbreviation. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, think, I think maybe teenagers don't like being reminded that they're not proper adults yet. I don't, I, I don't know. <laughs> Yes, his young adult series, YA series. The only difference between his young adult series and his regular series books, in my opinion, is... I mean, they're still quite dark. Mm. There's just less sex and less... Swearing. Less swearing, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. I didn't notice that. Not quite as descriptive violence. But it's still quite gory and violent. Yeah, it's still quite dark and... Everything, but he he's compared li- to Darren Shan, it's nowhere near as good. His di- his nickname is literally Lord High Grimdark. Yes, Grimdark, <laughs> and um, yeah, it was it was still quite a dark and gritty fantasy novel. Yeah, but it was very Joe Abercrombie. It was really good. Yeah, it, was really good. <laughs> it was really good. God damn it, Joe! God damn it, Joe! You're too good at you your job. Did it again? <laughs> did it again? Yeah. <laughs> Made me enjoy the book. You enjoyed the book. <laughs> you, you did enjoy the book. You did your job, damn it. <laughs> I can't find anything to moan about. It's just yeah, it was it was good. It's interesting because the entire it's part of a, a, a series, a trilogy, trilogy, trilogy. It could have literally been a standalone novel. It could have mm. the way it started, the way it finished. Could've. It was probably one of those books where he didn't know if the publishers would be willing to do a series. So he probably, a lot of, especially, you see a lot in debut novels where they want to write a series. You can tell that they've got things to build on for a series. 
but they tie lots of things off just in case they don't get approved for that. Hmm. So I think it's probably one of those. But also, there's a really good reason why it feels like it. this is an ending. And that's because each book different in the trilogy characters. are different characters. So this way, it's really smart. So you see, even though it's a trilogy, in a single book, you see a complete character growth. Complete, the characters go... I mean, they still have room for development because they turn up in later books. But you see them grow more because they only have a book for them to grow as your narrator character, as your like, point of view character. 350 pages. Yeah, because I mean, it's the smallest Drew Abercrombie book I'd read to that point. Yeah, and even so, like the character goes through a lot of trials and tribulations. It goes through a fuck ton of shit. Yeah, and it's it's not in a very... It's like in a... Maybe over the course of like a few years, if that, mm-hmm. in the course of the whole book. But it covers a lot, regardless. And it kind of starts off as a very obvious sort of revenge plot mm-hmm. I would say there are certain events that happen at the start of the book so that the basic premise is the main character is the second son of a king and he doesn't think he's going to be king and he's planning to go off to do other duties but as is so often common uh, often common he ends up then being crowned as king um, and things escalate from there before he gets yes um and it kind of follows the plot of a revenge story. But it, for, I'd say for the first two thirds, it kind of felt like it was following a common trope, but a well well executed. Yeah. And then it was towards the latter half of the book that a few really good plot twists came in. And I was like, damn it, Joe. Why are you so good with the plot twists? <laughs> you did it, why are you doing this to me? Yeah. That is a that is a thing with Joe Abercrombie. He can the twist way, your heartstrings. The way he can implement plot twists, or he can really tie together different narrative strings that he's left up in the air, and then I saw some together. of these ones coming. I will I will be honest. Yeah, some of them were kind of obvious. Yeah, we discussed this off the podcast. You you picked out a couple that I hadn't originally picked out, and, and I think you picked out a few that I missed yeah. as well. To be fair, yeah, well, there was, yeah, there was like um. It was quite fun. There was a uh, there was a reference to the first law, a couple of references to the first law books uh, in there, which I picked out. And I said, "Oh, this was really fun." And you're like, "Oh, I didn't notice those." That's probably because you read the first law trilogy closer to quite possibly, yeah. But like, oh, this, yeah, I, I like this little call to his other books. <laughs> yeah. No, I really enjoyed it. I'm, I definitely have to read the um, other ones at some point, but. I'm afraid, again, I've only got those in ebooks. Yeah, maybe I'll, I'll see if I can get them second the third book somewhere or something. has one of the best villains, one of the best, uh, best villains I've read about in literature, in my opinion. His name is Bright Yilling, and he is a, I, I really like his character. I, feel, I wish they could have expanded on him more, because he was really cool. I really liked him. But, uh, sorry, I should specify. He was a nasty piece of work. He is the villain. I don't idolise that. But a well-written villain. But a well-written villain. Well, that's villain. the thing. So often people enjoy well-written villains. To be totally honest, whenever Marvel or DC release a movie, a superhero movie, the first thing I ask is, who's the villain? <laughs> are they good? Are they any good? Well, not as in, are they good? Are they any good? As are they going to be entertaining? Are they going to be an actual threat? Yes. Talking about Marvel, shall we, uh, and Disney, shall we uh, pivot to talking about TV series because okay. you said you've been uh, watching a bit of Andor. Yes, recently. the latest Star Wars TV show. 
Yes. Although uh, I, haven't, I, haven't, I haven't seen any. But uh, So this is a sequel series? So no, pre- prequel. Prequel So series. this is a series expanding on the backstory of one of the main characters from the film Rogue One, Cassian Andor, portrayed by Diego Luna, a up-and-coming Mexican actor. Who is also in Narcos Mexico. It's really good in that, by the way, in case anyone's interested. Anyway, um, so this is this whole series is a prequel to the prequel of A New Hope, <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I won't give any spoilers away. Which is the sequel to, <laughs> to the... Uh... <laughs> Which is the sequel to the uh, prequel trilogy to the original <laughs> series. <laughs> so what have you been making of Andor then? So, they've released three episodes so far. Mm-hmm. And I had some opinions, and I've double-checked them with um, other reviews, and lots of people had the same opinion, which was, and I'm not giving any spoilers away, but it's quite boring. It's very slow. So, like, for example, people say they're going to do stuff in the first episode, and they don't do it until episode three. Um, one reviewer said that he could skip to the end of episode three and be fine. And I think... I disagree. If you watch, like, the first half of episode one... And then the, the second half of episode three, you'd be fine. There's a lot of filler that you can cut mm. safely. I think bits, yeah, again, like on Twitter and stuff, I've seen divided opinions. I see some, like you said, some people saying it's a bit slow, but then I've seen some people say that it's... it's Very emotional, which it is. Yeah, it's, it's like they're saying it's well done. You kind of see... A couple of you see both sides. You see like a bit of the, from the rebellion. You see a bit from the empire and the people siding with the empire, and how it feels almost. There aren't any good guys or bad guys. Yeah, how it's a bit more grey. Is it is which I really like. Yeah. So although it was quite boring, I'm gonna keep watching it because I, the thing I love about this character Cassian Andor in in um, Rogue One, he was the guy willing to do anything for the rebellion. So he was doing their dirty work. Whatever he had to do, he'd do it. So the rebellions that give gave him the stuff that they didn't want to talk about. So if you watch the original trilogy, the rebels are the heroes. They're fighting the oppressors, the, re- the Empire. They're great. And I loved in Rogue One how they showed this gritty dark side of the rebellion. How actually, no, to make, to make it work, they're having to secretly do some dark stuff. Hmm. Like murders. And so I was so excited to watch a series just about this guy. And there are, it's only three episodes, but there are some dark moments. Cassian Andor makes choices that no self-respecting Disney hero would do, or should I say be allowed to do by the producers. There's no Disney princess in this movie. Which makes There's me... no colourful megalomaniacal villain who has a... But that's the thing, that's what I kind of... Makes me... When you say there's like a grittier element, that makes me more excited. It's like going back to... Mandalorian where they reintroduced Boba Fett and in The Mandalorian Boba Fett wasn't badass and it was like the best episode of Boba Fett this is something I saw recently was in The Mandalorian yes and the best episode of Mandalorian was in Boba Boba Fett Fett. oh I see what you did there okay yeah I get that that's fair because then when they introduced Boba Fett in his own series he was a bit of a wet wipe there was nothing remotely gritty about the book of Boba Fett nothing in the slightest it was a Disappointment, but there is some gritty things in Ka- in Andor, which makes me more excited. Yeah, you see the seedy underbelly of the galaxy. Yeah, which there's is... no um, for a start. None of the planets that we see in the series we've seen before. There's no fucking Tatooine. 
Thank you. There's not even a hint of a desert. Thank mm. you. No more Tatooine. Not even close to Tatooine. I, like I've said before, I n- literally, n- please. No more deserts. Never no go. more deserts. Please, literally, no more deserts. The, literally, the entire premise, part of the premise of A New Hope is Luke wants to leave Tatooine. Yeah. Because fucking nothing happens there. And he's so wrong because everything happens there. But that is why it annoys me. It's a fucking boring planet. Get the fuck away from mm. You have an entire galaxy. Why the fuck are we always going back to Tatooine? For Andor, they have so far created two entirely new planets. Very different planets, I might add. Yes. Okay, one of them is quite deserty. Fuck. <laughs> but they spend no time in the desert. Yes. <laughs> That's not true. They spend some time in the desert. Shit. The main part of the plot is about avoiding the desert. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to go back and rewatch Rogue One before I watch this. I think it's a good idea. But I would like to point out... I know you've said it's slower. It is very slow. But since you said it has this grittier element, that's what intrigues me. I think episode... I loved episode one. I loved episode three. I cannot tell you a single thing that happened in episode two, except for one thing, which I will mention after the podcast. Fair enough. Um, I can't remember a single thing that happened in episode two. It's uh, it's shorter than the other two episodes by about 15 minutes. Mm. And it's it's the quintessential, quintessential example of a filler episode. If anyone ever asks me from now on in my life... Well, well, name a filler episode. A really bad filler episode that you've seen in the TV show. It's going to be episode two of Andor. Have you watched anime? (laughs) (laughs) So much fucking filler. This is very true. But you get my point. Yes. Yeah. So, three shows I've been watching recently. Yes. House of the Dragon, Rings of Power, which I I know you have also been watching, so we'll discuss that in a moment, and Cyberpunk Edge Runners. I will give a quick rundown of Cyberpunk... I have seen the trailer before they released Edge Runners quite a few months ago now and I completely forgot about it or I would have watched it. What's it out on? What platform? Netflix. Oh, shit. So I'll give a quick run mountain on that. I'll talk a little bit about House of Dragon which will then kind of lead into the Rings of Power. You've got to watch Cyberpunk Edge Runners. It It looks amazing. The trailer looks amazing. I had no idea it was out yet. That's why I watched it. It is phenomenal. Uh, Animation soundtrack story I can finally enjoy the world and the lore of cyberpunk without the game that play breaking glitches around every corner literally so since Edge Runners has come out cyberpunk has reached its highest player peak since it came out interesting it has encouraged loads of people to pick up the game and go back to it that's a a bit fixed it's had a load of patches yeah it's a lot in a lot better state than it was I think my biggest problem with Cyberpunk, there were game-breaking glitches, but I've played pr- plenty of glitchy games and put up with that. Sometimes I actually find the, ga- the glitches funny. Case in point, Skyrim. One of the glitchiest games ever made, in my opinion. Anyway, my problem with Cyberpunk was actually the very clunky and horrible um, melee combat. Was it melee? Melee? Melee. It is melee. I got it right. Thank you. Was the melee combat. Have you ever played Oblivion? No. By the Elder Scrolls Oblivion. Okay, well, anyone who has will be completely familiar with sword fighting in Oblivion, which is literally you spam the attack button, your character kind of goes, <laughs> and the and you do damage each time you make contact and they, they die. And um, a great part about Skyrim was it was similar in that sense, but a bit more sword fighty, and you had like a kill move for the end or whatever. But Cyberpunk went back to the Oblivion style. In Cyber- so I was really keen to Cyberpunk to play like a samurai gangster. 
So I was going to go on to use the Mantis Blades when I unlocked them. Yeah. But until then, I was going to use a Katana, which you can find really easily in the game. And I was, it, I was really good at it. I'd see some bad guys, I'd run up to them, and I was probably playing on a really easy difficulty, probably, and just hack them to death. But it would literally be, I'd run up to someone and go, boom, 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 and they just fall, they literally fall to pieces. And I, it, it, I would just be like, this is a brand new modern game, and they put absolutely no effort. I mean, I, I, okay, I fully understand. There's all sorts of there's guns in this game with homing bullets. There's guns in this game which can go through obstacles and hit someone. You can hack literally any piece of tech you see in the game. And I'm ignoring all of that to use a sword. Yes, I completely understand why the developers might prioritize something else. Mm. There's loads of other cool features. I'm a bit like, why have you put all those other features in and neglected this part? Does that make sense? That was that was my biggest problem with Cyberpunk. So Minus he, the glitches. The glitches I can live with. It was kind of funny for me to go through a, um, you know, a, a equivalent, a clear out a gangster den, like having this epic fight with a bunch of cyborg gangsters and come out and just watch a normal civilian crash his car because he's driving inside the tarmac road. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, I'd walk out, trigger a cutscene, but the cutscene... Uh, the, the, the NPCs wouldn't know the cutscene's there so they would crash into the people I'm talking to <laughs> who would then start shooting these NPCs who cause, they cause damage to them <laughs> it would become chaos no that's quite funny I can live with that it's a actual gameplay that I actually didn't enjoy that much I think uh, it was kind of more designed as uh, better shooting mechanics yes I, I but I was really disappointed because I told you before it was even released, I'm going to go melee. Yeah. I didn't, I? Yeah. There's the thing. I, they, I focused on the shooting mechanics and I really enjoyed Like I think, I haven't finished the game. I think it's because I stopped it to go and play Ghost of Tsushima and then I got distracted by That was by a good game. game. It was an excellent game. But the thing, I was really enjoying it. And I still, I, I, literally, I still had bugs on PC and everything. But the the main story and everything, I was freaking loving. I got lost in the world, going and doing side quests. It's was a fun. really cool world. Anyway, going back to Cyberpunk Edge Runners, it's set in the exact same world. Yeah. It's set in the same city, Night City. Same law. Same law. Where is Night City? Is it? It's on the west coast of America. Yeah, it's basically yeah, yeah. It's just so good because. It doesn't give like any specific timeline as to whether it's. I think it's technically set before twenty seventy seven. The characters, the world, the music, the animation is phenomenal, and yeah, it 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 it, it, it it's basically this. The cool thing is with Cyberpunk and The Witcher is that The Witcher games were made by the same studio, CD Projekt Red. Yeah, and when The Witcher came out, The Witcher three had a massive resurgence. People went back and played that, or people started playing it for the first time, and it's the exact same thing has had cyber happened with Cyberpunk, and yeah, it is just such a awesome series that I just highly recommend it. It's, have you gone back to play Cyberpunk? I haven't. I am planning to. However, <laughs> however, in about a month and a half's time, God of War Ragnarok is coming out, and that is going to I'm going to be devoting my time to that. So my plan is I'm currently playing Control. Yeah. Um, I'm going to finish that. Probably by the time I finish that, God of War Ragnarok will come out because I'm not playing quite as much as I used to anymore. I will play God of War and then I will probably go back to Cyberpunk because I'm like, I feel like I need to go back and finish this. I don't know why I didn't, but well, I know why I didn't because I was distracted by other things, but I will go back and finish it. But yes, Cyberpunk, Edge Runners, it's, it's 
just really good anime and this music's cool. and it's like they've got um references to the game they've got music from the game as well they've just got awesome animation just yeah just go watch it <laughs> judge me just I go watch I would much rather enjoy this world and this lore and these stories from a TV show yeah trust me go watch it I think you, you, you don't get it. bugs in TV it's, it's, shows it's, it's, it's ten episodes and it tells a complete excellent story time for our next whiskey and our next beer and our next beer so these work perfectly in conjunction because here we have the Jameson Stout Cast Condition another Irish whiskey we haven't done Irish whiskey in ages and now we've got we did two. one earlier Couple of, uh, that's what I just said we haven't done <laughs> Irish whiskey in ages and now we've got two alright so Jameson Stout Cask edition so yep. an Irish whiskey finished in Stout I'm cask. interested to see if this whiskey no I almost said something very stupid there I was going to say if this whiskey is dark like stout but why would it be <laughs> and we have a stout. necessary evil stout I love the name bourbon barrel aged stout oh it's punchy it is 13 percent oh shit oh that is dark that is very much a stout Nicely. this smells more stouty as well for the record yeah. oh and should i open this whiskey oh, absolutely yeah that's definitely a oh, that's very stout yep darker it is darker than it the, is darker so yes this apparently has uh Rich coffee, smooth chocolate, and butterscotch notes. So here we go. Mm. Cast Maker Series is the result of a collaboration with our neighbours at 8D Brewing. They borrow our cast to age the fine Irish stout. We then finish our signature whiskey in the stout season oak barrels. Wait, did we get that stout? Did you get... No, we didn't. Oh, okay. The results, the classic smoothness of Jameson with notes of coffee, chocolate, and butterscotch. Although, the interesting thing about the stout that I did get us to try is from the same shop that you got the Thistle Cross from. Oh. <clears throat> yeah, I went in there and I said, what? So you could have picked up the Thistle Cross when you were there and saved me a trip? I bought this about five months ago. My point stands. <laughs> anyway. Oh, that's very stouty. That is one, yeah. Really nice, though, like... It reminds me a bit of bread. <laughs> I see what you mean. Yeah. You see what I mean? Yeah. It's weird, but like it's true. Freshly, fresh, weird freshly baked bread. bread. Yeah. You know that freshly baked bread smell? Cheers. Cheers. Oh, I like nice. that. That's nice. That is nice. Much thicker than the dark ale we had just now. Richer. 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 Yeah, richer and thicker. I do not think this is the type of beer you need a lot of because it's mm. very, that very it's very heavy quality, very heavy I think this is this is a perfect shame so already I'm like this is nice but the glass I have there I think I'm going to be fine with just that but well my stomach is consider- considerably wider so we say than yours I reckon <laughs> I can probably I, if, if you gave me three or four pints of this I would enjoy it but I couldn't have any more than that I think I would I think one of these would be enough for me Particularly at thirteen percent as well. Oh, for, lightweight. For a... <laughs> Half pint, Henry. <laughs> anyway, moving on to the whiskey. That's a very different smell to the whiskeys we've had so far yeah. today. Again, the other one, the other one, like we said, had that gingery note. Yeah. This one, literally, it does. Granted, it is probably again because we've just had a stout, but I am almost getting those slightly darker, richer notes. Yeah, slightly okay. It definitely smells like Jameson. It does remind me of. Jameson. I haven't had much Jameson. Granted, I did have it quite recently, so probably why. Oh, see, I've had it quite recently. Why I'm thinking that. But I do get that 
sort of stouty, dark chocolatey vibes from it as well. Granted, it's probably because we have just had the stout, but yeah, you know, again, it's probably power of suggestion. But yeah, it does. It does make me. I'm drinking it. Oh, oh sorry. Slightly stouty aftertones, aftertones, aftertaste. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah. At first, it just hits like a normal, normal regular whiskey, yeah. and then your aftertaste is like, oh, I just had yeah, a bit. Yeah, sort of that slightly more bitter chocolate coffee. Yeah. Subtle notes. Yeah, it's nice. I like that. I like that. It's not um because it wasn't if it wasn't too expensive, was it? Not inexpensive. No, it was. It was reasonable. Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. I like that. I think maybe prob- quite possibly it is the power of suggestion and having had the stuff. But I do feel get those slightly stouty-ish, stouty-ish notes from it. Yeah, it's nice. Anyway, yes, I'll give a quick quick summary on the House of the Dragon. Okay. Um, I've seen a lot of memes on Instagram and I'm getting quite annoyed. I mean, I've seen the first four episodes. I know there's five out at the moment for recording, but I'm quite enjoying it. I think it's it's probably something we'll get onto with um, the Rings of Power. It feels a bit more fast-paced. Okay. Okay. It's, granted, it is because there are quite a few time skips, and so I think that helps it feel like the plot is going quite a bit quicker, and it feels like it makes it feel like there is more happening. Mm-hmm. Granted, but even in the first episode, quite a lot happens within that episode, and yeah, I'm enjoying it. it um, I had to. It's based off of. The history of the Game of Thrones world. It's based off um, the the book Fire and Blood. I think it is called Fire and Blood mm-hmm. book as well, which is a phenomenon put by George R. R. Martin. It basically reads like a fantasy. I would have preferred the next Game of Thrones book, but it's the Song of Ice and it, Fire book. That's, yeah, but um, it the book itself reads like a fantasy history book, mm. but in a really interesting way. And so having this part of it adapted because it's not the whole book it's part of it is amazing but granted it was a few years ago since I'd read the book so I went and had to watch a YouTube summary to remind me of the general plot it's like it's not super spoilers because I've I kind of know what's happening I kind of want to be refreshed yeah well if you've already read the book then yeah you've already been exposed to the spoilers it's reminding yourself of the spoilers well but normally the spoilers what what is adapted from. Yeah. But I'm really enjoying it. Um, hats off to the casting department because although I'm kind of pre one of the major time skips, I have seen a lot of the promotional materials, the characters who are playing the post time skip versions of themselves. I'm like, well done to the casting department because <laughs> they look really good. For who they hired to play like the older versions of certain characters, I'm like, they did a phenomenal job. Like some of the characters look amazingly similar to their younger versions. I'm like, wow, that is <laughs> that's that ridiculously well done. But no, I'm I'm enjoy I'm enjoying it. it um, yeah, it's like some people saying, oh, it's so much better than um, Game of Thrones season one. But I had this conversation with someone at work. I said. Uh, and we, we were actually comparing the Rings of Power at the time. Yeah. I said, oh, with House of the Dragon, it feels like so much more has happened in just those first few episodes than the first few episodes of the Rings of Power. And quite rightly, they said to me, well, in House of the Dragon, they have fit into four episodes, basically several years, whereas Rings of Power 
is maybe the course of a few weeks. That is probably why it feels like more has happened. That's a very good point. That's a very good point. Oh, that is actually a damn good point. Yeah, no, House of the Dragon, I'm really enjoying so far. Yeah, the acting is good. The story has kind of drawn me in. Yeah, I'm I'm just enjoying it. I mean, I'm intrigued because I think it's a 10 episode season. I feel like they are progressing quite quickly. I'm... I'm interested to see where the rest of it, the season goes. Yeah. It also makes me question how many seasons they're going to do. Because I wonder if it may may only be like a few seasons compared to the Game of Thrones 8. I feel like it may be like three or three, four maybe. Because otherwise I feel like they're progressing quite quickly. But maybe now they've done this time skip, they might begin to kind of reach a more even pace. But, yeah, no. House of the Dragon. Enjoying it. I haven't seen it. All I'm going to say is, I would never have expected, of all the people, Matt Smith mm. to be in something mm. George R. R. Martin has, has helped create. He is quite a wholesome person outside of his work, but he's also played some very wholesome characters like Doctor Who. Yes. Even though the, um, he's Isn't the 11th... He's as well. I haven't seen Morbius. But apparently he was in Morbius. He is. He's the villain. He's the villain in yeah. Morbius. Even so, even when he's a villain, I just kind of see like, hey, it's Doctor. Yeah, it's Doctor Who. <laughs> yeah. So to see him as this, he's a very violent character, I believe. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's strange to see him. Because a lot of the other actors in it, I, I recognise, I think the actor who plays the king, I can't remember his name, I recognise him. But a lot of the other actors and actresses in it, don't really recognise which I, I actually I'm actually really quite enjoying but he's kind of the only major I'm like that's Matt Smith that's Matt Smith I recognise the king yes he's in Peaky Blinders he's in lots of other things oh yes he was in Peaky Blinders season 3 yeah yeah, uh, yeah I, I can't remember the, unfortunately I can't really Paddy with, something yeah I'm really bad with remembering the name of the actor that is yeah Paddy Considine mm. but yeah it's I, I do actually, I'm actually enjoying it now when I'm watching shows and I'm, I don't recognise a lot of the actors or actresses in it and so this is quite I'm glad there's lots of new blood being yes. introduced yeah 100% new, new there are some actors like other actors I've heard of actually I didn't remember in it Reece Siffins he's a very famous he's a really good actor I really like him Graham McTavis recognised oh yes he's, he's uh, in The Hobbit yeah he's, oh, the Hobbit. he's one of the Kingsguard in the uh, he's one of the Kingsguard yes. in the show he's but he plays um, Dwalin yes the dwarf he's in the Hobbit in series. Outlanders as well. Mm-hmm. He's also in Lucifer. He's in loads of things. Yeah. But yeah, no. I'm enjoying that. I'm seeing actors and actresses who I don't recognise. But, tangent, the same can be said for The Rings of Power. Yes. There are so many actors, but pretty much the entire cast. I do not recognise any of them. In Rings of Power? Rings of Power. The, the, the lady who plays... Um, Galadriel. Mm. She was in His Dark Materials, the BBC series. Did you watch that? Uh, yes. She was a nurse at Volfangar. Mm. She was a very... I, I can't tell you more about her character without spoilers. But it, if I show you the character, you'll remember her. She looks completely different to Galadriel. Yeah. But granted, that was quite a small role. So I don't yeah. think I... No, yeah, you wouldn't. It's not like a major... like. Matt Smith in House Dragons, yeah. he's not quite as well. No one knows, well known. 
But no, you know, it's the part of The Rings of Power I'm actually really enjoying is that I don't recognise many of the cast. If the guy who plays Elrond, I oh, the guy who plays Elrond, he's in Game of Thrones. Oh, is he? Yeah. Oh, Can know. you guess who he plays? Young Eddard Stark. So it is. Yeah. Immediately. Yes. <laughs> immediately. I, 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 I can admit. I immediately remember the scene with him with his like long flowing. Yeah. Hair. Like, oh yes. Yeah, so he looked is. like more of an elf in that scene than he does in Rings of Power. For to be honest. No, I see it. As soon as you said it, I was like, oh yeah, I see it now. Yeah. So he's actually in Game of Thrones. So that's yeah, a nice try. Granted, he was in only like one episode. No, admittedly, but you get my point. Yes. Um, but no, I. That is a factor of the show that I am. Um, really enjoying I think I'll continue with what I am enjoying the music mm-hmm. is fantastic yep. it sounds yep. very Lord of the Ringsy. Yep. the scenery and the costume designs are they're amazing phenomenal which I would expect considering the amount of money they've thrown at yes. it that was literally <laughs> my follow up point was yeah considering the amount of money they put into this they can afford some amazing CGI scenery effects. Effects. I quite design. like the portrayal of the orcs. It's because it's it's because they've gone back to practical practical effects, effects which yeah. works so, so much, much better, better yeah. than the Hobbit CGI. Well, not only that, but the way they're portrayed on screen mm. is meant to make them more scary. Mm. I mean, obviously, it's not anywhere near horror movie levels, but. Rather than them being like almost comic relief characters, actually, in the Hobbit or the Lord, later Lord of the Rings trilogy, but they're just so incompetent that it's actually like stupid. Like, I think in Fellowship of the Ring, when um, in, in the Mines of Moria, Sam kills an orc and gets wounded, and Aragorn goes, Oh, it's okay. Many people have got off much worse for killing their first orc. Like, it's a fucking rite of passage or something for young men in Middle-earth to kill an orc. It's that easy. The orc Sam killed is the leader of the orcs in Moria, I should point out. And actually stated in the text, I think, to be one of the best and biggest of the orcs. Like, they are that useless. So to show them here, having actually, you know, doing all the things that they're doing, actually being a threat to people, I, I really liked that. It really annoyed me how I was just like, why doesn't, in, in the Lord of the Rings trilogy, why doesn't Legolas, Gimli and Aragorn just go by themselves? They'll fucking defeat all 10,000 orcs, probably, and count out their kills as it goes and have a competition. <laughs> yeah, they probably forget what number they reach. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean, though? Yeah. So I really liked how they were actually gone back to these guys are pretty bad now. Yeah, it's good. And yeah, practical effects. It's interesting because I think uh, I saw something on, I think it was on Instagram. It was like one of the actors. I, I think he might have either played a dwarf in, I think he might have played a dwarf in The Hobbit, but he also, he has played a number of orcs throughout the Lords of Power. All the Rings, rings. and the um, Rings of Power. Oh. So... He's constantly returned to do the practical effects and everything. That's really cool. Which was really cool. And yeah, like the um, like the armour of certain, like different characters. Like the wood elf armour with the, like, it's it looks like wood and it's got like the face carved into it. And then, oh, that's cool. Like the human armour with like the, the scales and it's golden and everything. Just And the orc rags. And the orc's rags and everything. It's just, from the costume design... It's phenomenal. It looks so good. However, again, this is kind of the contrast between House of Dragon and 
the rings of power. Nothing's happened! Is that it's a slow burn. It is a slow burn. Stuff has happened. It's just... How many episodes are out now of rings of power? Five. Five. You've watched four and I've watched five. Yeah, so it's five episodes. So all about an hour long. Yeah. So that's longer than the Lord of the Rings trilogy and most of The Hobbit. And if you think about how many battles there are over those five films, how many battles are there in Rings of Power? None so far. Yes. So you can understand my frustration. I don't go to Lord of the Rings. Oh, for, uh, I, guess, I guess you can consider the first episode where they kill the ice trolls. Spoilers. That was hardly a challenge. <laughs> it took them seconds. Yeah. Spoilers, sorry. But the point is, I don't come to Lord of the Rings to watch an awkward, will they, won't they relationship between a human and an elf. I don't come to Lord of the Rings. Yeah, we've got Aragorn and Erwin. There's no will they or won't they. That's a will they. <laughs> they will. They will. Probably have. All sorts of things off screen. Anyway, point is, he's like hundred years young, like thousands of years younger than her. Sorry. Anyway, by the way, off topic. I don't come to Lord of the Rings for that. I don't come to Lord of the Rings to see the political drama of an island nation. I don't come to Lord of the Rings to see... The troubles that an elf and the dwarf have being friends. I come to see battles. I'm going to interject here. Okay. I think the fact is that this is a TV series and that is a movie. We go into movies expecting an hour and a half to two hours of really concise entertainment. Whereas with a series, we kind of expect a start and then a build up and then like a really cool finale or a couple of episodes. While I respect that, I have three things to say. First of all, the series is always going to be compared to those particular movies. True. So if you're going to do that, release the whole series at once. Let someone binge watch it as if it's a movie. That's the thing. It's not done. It's not done this day because subscriptions. The longer they can okay, keep yeah, you invested. Okay, yeah, right, yeah. I'm not... So, yeah, so... Financial reasons aside, to make the series hold up to the films, release it at once. Oh yeah, second point. Biggest budget TV show ever made. They have enough money to have every episode of the series be a battle. But would you want that? Yes. Interjecting here. Battle of the Five Armies, the third Hobbit film, Mm. was literally a two hour long battle. Yes. Granted, I love the Lord of the Rings battles... Even so, I don't that was a bit long. for the whole film. I actually preferred the, uh, the earlier two Hobbit movies when they were on that quest. Yes. I actually have a particular enjoyment of the second film, that's Lace and the Smaug. Yes. Because it was a, a, a quest. Yeah. I'd I, I prefer that for this TV show. To be fair, you're absolutely right, Henry. Thank you for reminding me. You don't go to Lord of the Rings to the battles. You go for the quest. I mean, I go back to rewatch the battles of Pendleton. Yeah, okay. You do go for the battles. But you also go Helm's Deep. Yeah, you do go because <laughs> the they were so good. They were good. But you uh, unless you're a medieval seeds expert in which case you get very frustrated. I've watched a lot of those YouTube videos. Anyway, you do go for the quest as well. Lord of the Rings you want a quest or a battle or preferably both in one in one bit. So if you're gonna have your beginning and build up, make it a quest. Don't make it faffing around. Which is what it has done. It it kind of feels like a lot of people on separate quests that we're kind of still... They're not on a quest. No one's going anywhere. Except for Gladriel. But she's fucking stuck the last time I saw her. Also, they haven't actually been true to the law. This is the thing. They're taking liberties. That's my third point. They're taking liberties. Granted, 
I know a lot of it's based on the Silmarillion and everything, which I have not read. But I had the chance to read, but didn't do so. For me, that is kind of why I'm enjoying it, because I don't actually know... This is why I'm tempted to watch House of the Dragon, to bring it full circle. I didn't really want to watch the original Game of Thrones series, even when it was actually new, because I'd read the books. And I didn't, and I really enjoyed the books, and I didn't want the series to ruin them. And if I had watched the series, it would have ruined them for me. That's the thing with me. When a book but comes out of a show or a series, I prefer to read, to the, read book the books before. Yes, I agree. Yes. And that's what I did with Game of Thrones, with Harry Potter, with... Yeah, yeah. So many other series. It also means people can't spoil it for you. Yes. Whereas with Tolkien lore, it's kind of a big... Slightly bit messy, isn't it? Yeah. So I was willing to go into this like, I don't know what's happening. I Granted, I know they're kind of taking some creative licenses, but I'm kind of intrigued to see what they'll do because I imagine they'll keep some bit true. And granted, I know where it's leading. It's leading to the last alliance of men and elves and the big battle with Sauron and then eventually the Lord of the Rings and the whole mm-hmm. bit and everything. But I'm kind of willing to see where it was going. But that's the thing. I can't, with the Rings of Power... I can't say I'm loving it, mm. but I can't say I'm hating it either. Mm. I'm. I really want to see where they go. I yes. The last episode the, was the best so far that I saw. Anyway, that's the thing. I with five. I'm five episodes in, and I'm still. I feel like I'm in the middle. I'm like, okay, you have enough to keep my attention. You have my attention. You have my you, curiosity. Now you have my attention. You have my curiosity, but I can't say this is the best show ever I've seen. Mm, no. <laughs> It, yeah, there, there, there is enough in it that is keeping my attention. And I am still intrigued to see where it is going. But interesting question, if I may interject. Sure. How much money did they put on this? A million? Well, more than a million. Well, more than that. If I gave you that budget and put you in charge of making a TV show about Lord of the Rings, what would you do? Well, none of the stuff that's already been done. My point exactly. Yeah. But, but I'd, I'd maybe do... if. Well, I'd possibly do like a anim- animated Oh, what's a good idea? Um sequel series of what happened to the characters after. No. No, I I can't I have to say no. Do you know why they Tolkien wanted to write a sequel to Lord of the Rings? Do you know why it didn't happen? No 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 no. I mean like so you know where Lord of the Rings finishes? Yeah. But you know what happens to like Legolas and Gimli and Sam and Pippin and everyone afterwards. Mm-hmm. It would be that period. Oh, okay. So it'd be like... Uh, it wouldn't be the thing where everything goes to shit. Oh, no, no, no. It'd be like where Sam becomes mayor and Pippin and uh, Merry become like stewards, uh, stuff like that, and Gimli and Legolas eventually go to Valinor. It'd be, it'd be that type of thing. It wouldn't be like all the stuff that happens. I, I don't even know myself. Yeah. I love Lord of the Rings, but I'm kind of very much the... Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit guy, I'm not like the extended world. Yeah. Hence why I'm enjoying, semi-enjoying the Rings of Power because it's like, oh, yeah, I'm learning kind of newish stuff. I think I would expand on the law, on the War of the Ring because there's so many theatres of that war which are touched on in the books that aren't actually shown in the films, like the Vale of Anduin, for example. The War in the North. Which yeah, they, exactly. They, t- they touch in the video game. All the, all the books, they mention it in the books as well, but you don't actually see it actually on screen in any media, which they could do in this, or you could see more of the South. Mm. I'm really interested in the South, because they've got some really big cities, 
really big, powerful cities. Yeah, which is what they're kind of touching on here a little in, bit, a little bit in this because they're talking about the war in the south and the rise well, of. Well, I think, actually, no, I'm not going to go into that. Uh, well, I I believe that this series is going to be about the establishing and founding of Mordor. Yes. Which is it's south to the characters, but when I say south, I mean Harrod, I mean Umbar, Umbar, whatever you say, however you say it. I mean further south than Mordor. It's going to be about the founding of Mordor and Gondor. That's what I think this series is going to be about. Yes. You can see them set... That's the, setting they're up. setting a lot... I feel like these first few... They're setting... I feel with this... It's a setup series. It's a setup series for several more series. Yeah. I feel like there is a battle coming towards the end of this season. Mm-hmm. But, but it's I, not the biggest. I feel that they have the hope that there will be more seasons... And there will be more intense stuff in that. The problem is at the moment, like I said, I'm still enjoying it, but it is a bit of a slow burn. Mm-hmm. And I think that is the problem that people are having with it, is that it, they're expecting action, Lord of the Rings, big battles, myth and fantasy. And it is, it's, it's building the world, it's building lore, it's building interesting stuff, but it's taking its time. Yeah. And I think that's what, in this day and age... Where people have constant stuff on demand, yeah, they want stuff quickly. That's why people want to join it. They're like, not enough is happening. Things are taking too long. And granted, there are a few times where I'm like, yeah, this could have been resolved a bit quicker, or this could have happened quicker. But still, I'm enjoying it. And I think it's just for some people it's taking too long. Granted, I think there's some bits that could be condensed. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm like I said. I can't say I'm absolutely loving it. I can't say I'm hating it because I'm not. I'm enjoying it and I'm intrigued to see where it's going. That is what I can say for it. Yeah, I have to say I agree with that. I have been... I was, The very least they could have done, in my opinion, with the budget that they had was have a, a really explosive, impactful first episode. And then if they want to spend a slow burn build-up series, they could do it after that. But the least they could do was give us a taste of what it could become. They, I, think, I almost feel like they did gave us a little taste in that very first episode where... Where they killed the spoil, troll. No, spoilers. I'm going to spoil this here. Where it was Galadriel's brother in that big battle. I was like, give, oh, a, yeah. give us more of that yeah, big battle. Yeah, it's too little. It's not it's enough. It, it's literally a scene of these elves packed in a tight circle fighting orcs screaming at them like ah again decked in fucking awesome looking armour yes I yes, I, it's like, that. I wanted to see that battle yeah give us that well yeah why didn't you give us that you have the budget that's what we want to see that's what yeah. we came to see I don't want the because I remember that being in the trailer I'm like oh I'm looking forward to seeing that and then it's literally a 10 second scene yeah yeah I think there are bits that could have been really good but I'm enjoying it for the most part I can understand people's could be better. With it. Could be better. It could be better. Could be better. Any more to say on it? Um, I think you've covered what I was going to say. And I, there's many more I could say about it, but they're all minor gripes, minor personal gripes. So, Henry, of all the beers and whiskies and ciders that we've had, which has been your favourite? Well, as we established at the start, we both mm. really like the Thistley Cross because it's really nice. Well, I'm slightly just, biased. I am a massive cider fan. Yeah, we both love the Thistley Cross. It, yep. I, th- I think it's an excellent 
cider for the summer. Put it in yes. the fridge, cool yes, it, it down, sit in the sunshine, sip away. Oh, you can't complain. No. But it has to be cold. It has to be cold. Yeah, I think it's so much better chilled. Um, I really enjoy the ginger beer. I really enjoy the ginger beer. Granted, like I said, it is <laughs> ridiculously dangerous because it does you not... Don't, it does not taste alcoholic at all. I can't tell the, the difference between that one and regular ginger beer I've had. Yeah. Yeah, it's tasty. But at the same time, the double-edged sword of that is doesn't taste any better or worse, but doesn't taste any better than regular ginger beer. Mm. It's just ginger beer. Ginger beer for me is just like the standard line. It is a tasty ginger beer, which has the added benefit of being alcoholic. Well, yes, there we go. Yeah. Although you can add vodka to pretty much anything. <laughs> Speaking from experience, I, 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 own a, I, I don't own, but I run a bar. <laughs> well, you could still add whiskey or rum or something else. but um, You're more likely to taste those because they have, you know, flavour. Yeah, which makes them better. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. Is it interesting to try the tealing? Yes. Yeah. It was... Like you said, how, do you mind if I ask how much was that bottle? I think it was about forty-two to forty-five. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can't quite remember. It was around the forty-pound margin. Because I'd have to say I preferred the Jameson. It's about I, half the I, price. I, yeah, I think I have to concur. Mm-hmm. I, I'm glad I tried the Teeling. It yeah. was cool to try against the ginger beer and the connection between the two. Yeah. And yeah, I I did like the gingeriness that you got from them. But yeah. I think probably my favourite were The Necessary Evil. Yes, I loved that one. mm, Just for this off, that one was really good. Yeah, The Necessary Evil. Like I said, it's not something I need to have a lot of. No. To enjoy it. It's nice and rich. I could probably just have a bottle. The thing with... The thing I find with stouts... Yeah. I enjoy them, Mm -hmm. but I never need much of them. I can have like one, maybe two, and. Well, I go out. I'll have a Guinness, but I probably won't have many. No, that's the thing. If if I know I'm not drinking a lot, a Guinness, probably a couple of Guinnesses, and then like a whiskey. Mm. That'd be fine. Yeah, it, yeah. Guinness is my go-to drink if I know I'm not planning to drink a lot. So, yeah, if if I was to have this, the stout. I would probably just, as it's so high ABV, mm-hmm. I could just stick with this. It's nice. It's really tasty. But it's one I would sip and take my time with. It's not yeah. like I need to drink loads. Like this. So if you're it's out so, on the chest, you're not going to have this. Because it's so rich. It's so dark and rich. that And high ABV that you don't need it. You just sit and take your time with it. It's tasty. I'm just here chilling, enjoying it. Yeah. It's tasty. <laughs> and then, yeah, having the Jameson style next to it. Tastes like Jameson, but it has almost that extra character to it. Yeah. Yeah, and, I agree with that. I mean, nice thing about Jameson. It's tasty. It's good. Reliable. It's, it's, it's reliable. never too expensive. It's yeah. just a reliable whiskey. There we go. We've got to have a face-off. We've got to have Jameson and Talamodu at some point. <laughs> Talamodu. So I get I've got a bottle over there. So I get it. Let's do it now. No, just stand, stand Jameson, right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, my favourite is without doubt Necessary Evil. <laughs> you were checking in there to see if there's <laughs> well, It was quite heavy. The bottle's like, oh, is there some left? <laughs> you could fight me for it. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
I'd definitely yeah. say necessary evil. I'm going to have to. Doubt. We'll have to go back to the beer shop and see if there are any more. And if they don't, we'll say, can you get some more in, please? Yeah. That is... I really like that. That's a good beer. Ooh. I'd say... What? what, what There's some writing on the back. Necessary Evil was an imperial style aged for eight months in bourbon barrels. Aromas of sweet bourbon, vanilla... Okay, and I couldn't taste any bourbon in this. ...combined with rich chocolate, mashed malts and caramel from the base beer. Soft and silky, the full flavour and style has layers of complex and flavour unlike the best served around 10 to 12 degrees centigrade so take out of the fridge for a while before serving whilst this beer will age well there is no time like the present so we recommend opening and enjoying as soon as possible you should probably read that earlier (laughs) (laughs) anyway I think we have found our favourites I think after several beers a couple of whiskeys and two hours of conversation almost two hours well, it'll probably I'll cut it down, but yeah, close to two hours. Time to wrap it up here, Tom. Thank you very much for joining me again. I it was nice to see you in. Nice to see you as well, mate. I enjoyed that. Cheers, man. Cheers. Best one yet.